Welcome to the Life Melbourne podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. Come on, can we give it up for Jesus? Come on, let's lift up a shout. He is worthy. So honoured to be with you this weekend and so good to have Amanda with me. Um, a lot's changed since I was here last. You guys have grown. I, can't, I don't know half of you, so I can't wait till the end of the service to meet you in the foyer and hang out. Uh, I've changed allegiances. I've ditched the Warriors. I'm now a Melbourne Storm fan. Now don't you shake your head, dude. You wait till you get to my age and you see what the Warriors' ups and downs do to your blood pressure. It's not going to do any good. Like... I want some stability in my life, so get rid of, get like, hey, AFL, what's that? <laughs> Father, we thank you for today. And God, I pray that you would speak to every one of us, that Holy Spirit, you would move. God, we haven't come just to sing some songs or hear a message. We've come to meet with you. So God, would there be an exchange moment? Would we engage with what you have for us? Father, I pray that you take the words of my mouth and Holy Spirit, you shape them to the ears of the hearer that every person would hear from you today. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, come on, one more time. Can we give Jesus a huge hand? That's awesome. Thank you, team. Nigel, don't go far. I'm going to need you at the end of this service, it'd be awesome. You can be seated, it'd be awesome. Hey, uh, as Pastor Craig said, we are week one of Community Sunday, where we are going to talk about the value of doing life together. Uh, two weeks ago, I had the strangest experience I've had in a long time. Uh, I sat at a home that was not mine and was not my friend's, and we had a picnic in this beautiful four-year-old, four-year-old home, overlooking the pool, hanging out. Uh, let me give you some context. I'm not a criminal. Here's what happened. Friends of mine are looking to buy this house and they went in for a viewing of the house and there was a few things that weren't quite right. So the real estate agent thought, let me try and get them across the line by offering a four hour period where they could come and just treat the home like it was their own. So uh, one Saturday afternoon, they opened up the house and said, look, just make it like it's your own. There was an Austin Martin in the garage. So I almost made it like it was my own, but I held restraint but we sat outside by this beautiful pool on this beautiful deck Uh, there was this amazing kitchen that we uh, put together this picnic for this afternoon and we're sitting out there we're 150 meters from the beach it was stunning but I thought I could be anywhere at the moment now the surroundings are beautiful but I could be in a tin shed if I was with these people because it's not actually about the environment It's about the people I was with. Now, the environment was awesome, but I could have been anywhere with these people. You know that you were never created to do life alone. I was never created to do life alone. In fact, it's been said that if God really wants to bless you, he'll bring a person into your world. T.D. Jake says this, if you have one or two people in your life who you can be truly vulnerable with, you are a wealthy person. And can I tell you that you were never created to do life alone. 
And I think this last three years with the pandemic that has swept our globe, one of the enemy's greatest wins is the isolation of people where they've just got used to living at home. And if you're online this morning, we're so glad that you are joining us online. But if you are within driving distance of this campus, can I encourage you, get into church. We want to meet you. We want to say hi to you. We want to shake your hand and have a coffee because we were never meant to do life alone. And we live in a day and time where we celebrate the individual. We celebrate the rise and the fame of an individual and we think that's a great story. But can I tell you that most of the time, whenever we celebrate an individual, there's a bigger story behind what's going on. In 2001, there was a movie that swept the world. It was the Lord of the Rings movie. Uh, I have never seen a Lord of the Rings movie, by the way. Uh, I've never watched a Star Wars. I have never watched a... Uh, yeah, I know, it's terrible. But uh, there was a, there was a the Lord of the Rings movie swept the globe. And when that happened, there was one name attached to Lord of the Rings. His face was on so many newspapers, every red carpet. There was a Sir Peter Jackson has shown up. And every time there was a, a, a Golden Globe given out, Sir Peter Jackson's name was attached to it. And you would think that Sir Peter Jackson was the only one that created Lord of the Rings. Can I tell you, there was 1,896 people that it took to create Lord of the Rings. It wasn't just one, there was a whole bunch of people behind. And can I tell you, in 30 years of following Jesus, I know that I wouldn't have the life I have today if it wasn't the people that God placed around me. I wouldn't have the marriage, I wouldn't have the family, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today if it wasn't for the people that God placed around me. After 27 years of pastoring people, it's my experience and observation that a faith community around an individual, not a service on a Sunday, but a group of people. Not a, I came and sung some songs, but I opened my life. Not a, I walked into a building and joined a church, but I found a group of people that, that it's my observation experience that that's not just life-giving, but it's critical to following Jesus long-term. You might say, well, do I have to have a faith community? No, you don't. But you don't have to go to the petrol station either. Can I tell you, if you don't go to the petrol station, things start to get a lot more difficult. There is a few more challenges in life. Can I tell you, if you don't have a faith community, things get a lot more difficult and a lot more challenging if I don't get some people around me. You know, the first problem that God identified in the Bible was not a sin problem. It was a loneliness and isolation problem. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, and then verse 18 says this, Then the Lord took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Then the Lord said, verse 18, It is not good that man is alone. I will make a suitable helper for him. Just stop and think about that for a moment. God creates Adam, puts him in the garden says, I want you to tend the garden. I want you to work the garden. This whole place except one tree is yours. Would you find fulfillment in doing what I've called you to do? Then the Bible says that God himself would walk in the cool of the day with Adam. Can you imagine debriefing your day with God? Come on. Could you imagine just debriefing the challenges and the winds and that we're like, tomorrow, God, I need to do this. Well, how would you do it? How easy would life be if you got to debrief your day with the creator of the universe? Even Amanda would get rid of her marriage problems if she could debrief. But God with himself in the picture 
said it's not good for man to be alone. Even with himself in the picture, he said, I'm not enough. You ever met those super spiritual Christians? Jesus is all I need. Go back to Genesis because God says Jesus is not all you need. Now in him you'll find all you need, but there's a bunch of stuff that is added to you. Genesis 2.20, so man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the sky, the wild animals, but for Adam, there was not a suitable helper found. Now, before some of you get mad, uh, because if you've been in church a little while, you'll realize that Eve comes on the scene and she is the suitable helper. That word helper does not mean slave or subservient. That word helper is the same word that is used multiple times in the Old Testament where it talks about what God does for humanity. In Psalm 121 verse 1, it says, I lift my eyes to the mountain. Where does my help come from? For my help comes from the maker of heaven and earth. It is God's will for you and I to have friendships that help us in times of trouble, help us in times of opportunity, that we don't do life alone, but we have a help. And it's so much more than a spouse. You ever read the Bible and think that's ludicrous? Just me. Come on, anyone else read the Bible and think that's crazy? Like, why would God? identify a problem and say, Adam, it is not good for you to be alone. So here's my solution. I'm going to parade every animal I made in front of you to see if we can't find you a helper. Like, come on, God, you're God. Can we not just skip that part and get to the part where you make Eve? Why did like giraffe? No. Hippo? No. Cat, heck no. Dog, maybe. Why why did God have to parade every animal in front of Adam? Because I believe God needed Adam to realize that nothing could fill the void in his life like a human relationship could. That Adam had to be convinced that out of all creation, the only thing that can fulfill that need of, of companionship is another human soul. I've got a question for us. What would it look like if we created a catwalk in here and we paraded in front of us all the things that we are tempted to put in the place of human relationships? What if we paraded TV shows? What if we paraded bank accounts, smartphones, jobs, careers, sports? Oh, now I'm touching something. So AFL wouldn't even be in there, but rugby league would be in there. Um, Settle down in the cheap seats. Social media. my own ambition, would we be tempted or have we actually replaced human relationship with something else? Because I believe we live in a world and a time where we can almost get inoculated against the need for 
human relationship. We just get just enough to stop the hunger and the desire for human relationship by just scrolling a little bit more, just maybe one more like or one more friend or one more, one more dopamine hit of social media. And, and we go, well, maybe I don't need social, maybe, maybe I don't need a human relationship. Friend, if you are not finding your needs met in another human relationship, in a community of people who can walk with you, I promise you, you are living second to God's best in your life because God's best is when He wants to bless you, He brings someone else. Not another like or follow, but another person who you can pray with and walk with and journey with and have a relationship with. Here's my whole message in one sentence. If you're bored already, you can write this down and go and have a coffee. Here's my whole message in one sentence. I need people and people need me. I need people and people need me. You ever taken a moment to look around society? You know, society is built on communities. Sports communities, skating communities, surfing communities, golfing communities. There are clusters of people that cluster around common interests or maybe a common stage of life. There is a young mums group that we started maybe a few years ago. It doesn't run anymore, but... Uh, one of our pastors in our Auckland campus started this young mums group, started out with 17 people. Within eight months, there was 375 people that would turn it up on a Thursday morning. We called it Erin's Church because honestly, it's bigger than a whole bunch of churches in the country. It was a bunch of young mums. Why did they need to be there? Because they needed to have interaction with someone who said more than one sentence. You know, society is built on communities. Stage of life, common interest, job, geography. You move into a great neighbourhood and you build community with people. And do you know that uh, my son Judah, who's going to be here at the next service, he's 12 years old, he loves scooting, scooting. And honestly, we will go to a different scooter park every week. It's exactly the same as the one five minutes by my house. But we have to drive 45 minutes across the city because this one is way better and it has way more. And so we'll do it. We'll drive across the city and the same thing happens every time. We'll have been there an hour and a half or two hours and Judah will get back in the car and he's like, Dad, my new best friend. Like, dude, you've been here an hour and a half. Did you see I did this tail whip? It was awesome. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. What's a tail whip? So we Google tail whip. We have a look at that. Yeah, Awesome. Then he's like, next week, can we come back here? Because me and my new best friend, we're going to try a double tail whip. Do you know that every community is built on three things? Every community is built on friendship, moments, and goals or aspirations. Every community is built on, okay, I find some friends. And it's more than friends. We have some moments, whether it's around I did a tail whip or something more significant. And then there is a level of goals or aspirations. And for Judah, it happens to be a double tail whip. But hopefully as we grow older, those goals and aspirations are a bit more significant than that. I know it's Pastor Craig and Nadia's hope that in our community here at Life, that friends become spiritual friends. That moments become sacred moments. And that goals and aspirations become divine purpose. That we're actually building a community of people around spiritual friends 
sacred moments and kingdom purpose where we are doing something that will live on and affect others long after we are gone. So I'd love for us to take a few moments just to unpack what the three aspects of a faith community are. Number one, my faith community fosters spiritual friendships. You might say, well, what's a spiritual friendship? It's one thing to have a friendship that is based on surfing, on skateboarding, on scootering, on we're at a common phase of life. It's one thing to have a friendship that is based on the fact we just happen to be living in the same neighborhood and all those are great and strong, but it's a whole nother level if our friendship is based on a connection to Jesus and his word and his way of doing life. That the term spiritual friend doesn't mean I have to find someone who's got all their stuff together. Because good luck with that. You're not going to find it, especially here at this campus. Or at any other campus at life. You will not. We are real and we are, we are all on a journey of following Jesus together. If you are looking for perfection, I'm sure there's another church in the city. This ain't it. So if you are imperfect, you are in the right place to find connection with other people who are on the journey of discovering His Word and His way. And I know Pastor Craig and Nadia's prayer is that every person that comes to life isn't identified by the service they come to, but by the spiritual friends they meet, by the connections they engage with. What's a spiritual friend? A spiritual friend is someone who has the same source that you do. Look at John chapter 15, verse 5 to 8 says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch. Branch, I'm in Australia, yes. You are like a branch that is thrown away and it withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burn. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. You know that we serve a God who wants you to be fruitful. Fruitful in your marriage, fruitful in your friendships, fruitful in your career. But it comes out of a source and His name is Jesus. It's not ambition. It's not society. It's not the culture of the day. It's the person of Jesus and discovering that who Jesus is, is, is in and through me. If you ever look at my calendar, you will find a reoccurring appointment happens the first Thursday of every month where I have lunch with a guy by the name of Earl. Earl and I have had lunch together every Thursday for probably the best part of 10 years. I love my lunches with Earl. Because inevitably we'll be sitting there and talking about the weather and what the kids are doing and what's happening and what's going on in your world. And at some point in that lunch, one of us will ask the other one, but how are you doing? How's your marriage? How's, how's home? Are you getting enough time with your kids and your wife? Are you prioritizing that? That's a spiritual friend 
who will take a moment and get below the surface and ask questions that actually come from the same source. Because Earl is attached to the source where he knows that I'm serving a God, the same God he is serving, that wants me to bear fruit in every good work. Can I encourage you? You've probably already got spiritual friends. It just takes someone to move it into a spiritual environment where we're asking questions. And it doesn't have to be deep and intense. Let's get rid of deep and intense. Let's just do life together and bring Jesus into the fray. That's a spiritual friend where I know that, hey, I better keep my stuff in order. Because I'm going to be having breakfast with Pastor Craig in three weeks. And he's going to ask me some questions that are not about his values, but about the source's values. And he's going to say, hey, how are you doing in that area? How are you doing with your short temper? Anyone else have a short temper in here? No one. Just you and me, bro. We should start a group together. Come on, how are you doing with your patience? Who was born with patience in here? My wife was blessed with patience. Like, honestly, there is not a more patient person in the world than her, which is why the Lord connected us together because it's like yin and yang. Like, she's the most patient. I'm the other end of the spectrum. But I need people in my world who say, hey, not just how's your devotional, How's your patience? And that's a spiritual friend as we journey together. I love Job chapter 2. It says, when Job's three friends, Eliphaz of that place and Bildad of somewhere and Zophar of somewhere else, heard about all the troubles that had come upon Job, they set out from their homes and met together by agreement to go and sympathize with him and comfort him with him. Do you know we all need friends who will tap into what God has for us and bring that to the table. And it is our heart and our desire that you find a faith community that fosters spiritual friendships. Number 2, my faith my faith community not only fosters spiritual friendships, but it engages sacred moments. I remember when I was, I don't know, maybe 32 years old, I had this moment with my middle daughter. I walked into a room and I found her drawing on the wall. She was, I think, two or three at the time, maybe four. She was drawing on the wall because, you know what, that's what three or four-year-olds do. That's a rite of passage for a three or four-year-old is to draw on the wall at some point. And I walk in, she's got a Sharpie in her hand, lid off, Mark on the wall. I'm like, did you just draw on the wall? She looked me dead in the eye and said, no. (laughs) I lost it. Like the internal response, not physically, the internal response I had to that moment was so disproportionate to the moment that had just happened. Like I went to Amanda and I'm like, babe, we've got a real problem. Like this girl has some systemic, deep-rooted issues. We need to get her into counselling soon before she's running the gangs of Auckland and she's going to be dealing pee out of our backyard before you know it. It's going to happen. I truly believed it. She looked at me, Amanda looked at me and she's like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, what kind of mother are you? What's wrong with you? We need to identify stuff early and get on top of it. She's like, Amanda said to me, get in your car, go for a drive. Thank God for a spiritual friend. 
and get yourself together. I walked out thinking, I'm going to work the greatest argument ever to convince my wife why we need to get on top of this. As I'm driving down the road, I thought, what is wrong with me? And for the, honestly, for the first time in my life, I came face to face with the level of brokenness that was on the inside of me. I grew up in a home where my mother was an alcoholic and my dad used to beat her three or four nights a week and I thought I dealt with all that stuff. That started a journey of the first person I called was Pastor Paul. Second person I told was Amanda. And then I told another best friend of mine that I need to go on a journey and deal with this. And this lady on the front row has been one of the greatest bringers of sacred moments to me. And here's what a sacred moment looks like. It's not, I need to have the whole Life Melbourne band and I need to have all this lights and unless I have big screens and unless Pastor Craig or Nadia are up here bringing a God word, I can't have, it's, not, it's none of that. Here's what a sacred moment looked like for me. I would be driving to work and Amanda would be having her quiet time and God would give her a scripture and she'd text it to me and I'd open it up. And it'll be blessed as the man who follows the path of the Lord. His children will discover righteousness. And I fed off that for days and days and days. You know what it was? It was Amanda getting up at six o'clock, hearing God and sending me a scripture. That's a sacred moment. And I think we can overcomplicate sacred moments and we can make them what they're not. What they are is spiritual friends doing life together, trying to discover his will and his way. Not a service on a Sunday, although sacred moments can happen there. But can I tell you, God wants sacred moments to happen through the faith community around you because I need people and people need me. I love the story in Mark chapter 2 where... Friends carry their friend to Jesus. Mark chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Several days later, Jesus returned to Capernaum, and the news of his arrival spread quickly. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there wasn't room for a single more person, not even outside the door. So he preached the word to them. Four men, one version says, four friends arrived carrying their friend on a stretcher. He was paralyzed. They couldn't get to Jesus through the crowd, so they dug through the clay roof above his head and lowered the sick man on his stretcher right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw how strongly they believed uh, that they would help, Jesus said to the sick man, son, your sins are forgiven. One version says, Jesus looked at the friends and said, because of your faith, your friend is forgiven. You know what a spiritual friend does? He creates a sacred moment where I don't even have enough faith for myself. They say, let me help you get to Jesus and get Jesus' perspective on this. You may be down, you may be depressed, you may be going through some stuff, but let me take you to Jesus. That's a sacred moment. Do you know why we have groups here at Life? So that spiritual friends can be fostered and sacred moments can be had. We're so grateful if all you do is come to a service. But can I encourage you? Take the next step. Put yourself in an environment where God can build a faith community around you where you can foster spiritual friendships and have sacred moments. Because I believe in that story, whether you were the participant, a friend taking their friend to Jesus, whether you were the recipient and you got healed on that day, 
or whether you were an observer and you watched friends take their friend to Jesus, it would have done something on the inside of you of if God can do it for him, then God can do it for me. And God wants to build a faith community around you that build your hope and faith and expectation in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of rising interest rates. It's okay because I've got spiritual friends creating sacred moments where Jesus speaks through us. My faith community fosters spiritual friendships, engages sacred moments, and focuses on divine purpose. Spiritual friends outwalk their faith together. We're just on this journey together. I, I love Craig and Nadia Clark. We have done life together for 17 years. They abandoned me like my parents did and moved to another country. But every now and again, we get to hang out. And I did a lot of internal work, so I'm okay with it now. But for 17 years, we've journeyed together. And we've seen God do some amazing things. I walked over to Pastor Craig. Oh, tear up. I walked over to Pastor Craig this morning and I pointed out another friend of ours. And I'm like, you know what? We're involved in some pretty special stuff, but nothing beats being a part of somebody's journey and seeing them discover what God has for them. Do you know, divine purpose is not flashy. You don't have to have a microphone every Sunday. You don't have to have a position. You don't even have to have a certain background. You just need to have a heart. God, would you take my life? And would you work in me and through me so that your kingdom would come? So that your will would be done. When I go to school as a teacher, when I get up and I raise my young kids, when I go to my work, when I go into my education field, when I go to footy training, when I, God, would you just take my life? Would you work in me and through me to bring your kingdom? God, what you've done in me, let it be a, let it be a river that flows out of me so that those around me would discover the same Jesus that I've discovered. That's divine purpose. It's not a light over the top of you. Thus shall you do. No, I should just say, God, today use me. I love what Romans chapter 12 verse 1 to 2 says. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life. I was chatting to Lucy. I hope Lucy's all right with this. I was chatting to Lucy in the foyer this morning. She's like, man, parenting is brutal. I mean, you know, that, that young, those young years of parenting, like it's brutal. No sleep, can't get any time to yourself, can't switch it off or put it in the cupboard. You're just like all day, every day, for years. Brutal. So how does someone like a Lucy live with kingdom purpose when she's surrounded by nappies? So here's what I want you to do. Take your every day. Ordinary life, here's what I've discovered. In some seasons, my life looks a lot more ordinary than other seasons. You're sleeping, eating, going to work. You're walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what He does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. When? When I'm in church? No. In my ordinary, everyday life. 
fix my attention on God, then I'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. I don't know, as a parent, we had a rule, first time obedience. When I ask you, once, do it once. I reckon it's God's rule for us too. Things would go a lot better for us if we just responded to the prompts that He gave us in the moment. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. I need people. And people need me. A couple of weekends ago, it was Easter. I was out in the foyer. Do you know there's a team of people that pray over the service? Every morning, before every 6 p.m., I was here this morning. There were dozens and dozens of people praying over the service. They weren't praying that they could play the guitar better. They weren't praying they could park cars better. They weren't praying they could make better coffee. They were praying, God, have your way in this service. When people are milling around in the foyer, Holy Spirit, would you be like a divine chess player and let the right person meet the right person so a meeting in a foyer can become a spiritual friendship that creates sacred moments that ends up in divine purpose. I was walking around our foyer. Easter Sunday morning, I met George. George has been coming to life for years. He's a mechanic. Hey, George, how you doing? George was beaming. He's like, I need you to meet someone. I need you to meet Sam. Sam's my third year apprentice. And I employed Sam because I believe God had something for Sam. Not that he was a good mechanic, but that God had something for Sam. And today he came to church and he met Jesus. And Sam asked me to sign his Bible. I didn't sign, I signed it, Jesus. Sam asked me to sign his Bible. He said, today I met Jesus. I think I'm going to be the same. And these words came out of Sam's mouth. I thank God that three years ago, when I could have worked for Toyota or George, that I chose George in that moment. You know why? Because George said, God, take my normal, ordinary, everyday life. And would you use it today? Do you know what community is about? Community is about spiritual friends sharing sacred moments for a kingdom purpose. And our hope today is if you don't have spiritual friends, we would love to help you find an environment where God could, could, could activate some spiritual friendships for you. Maybe, maybe you don't have any sacred moments. Our prayer today is that you would feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit to bring Jesus into some of your friendship conversations, to bring a God perspective in. Now, keep talking about surfing and the footy and all that sort of stuff. Don't turn into some weirdo, but just bring God in. Do you know that God's got something to say about that? Do you know what the Bible perspective is on that? Do you know that although you don't see a way, that I serve a God who sees a way? And then what are we doing for kingdom purpose? God, take my ordinary everyday life. Would Melbourne be different? Because I'm a school teacher in a school saying, God, use my life. Because I'm a builder, I'm a developer, I'm a mum, I'm a whatever. And I just say, God, use my life. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads for just a moment? I'm prophesying that these next three weeks, for some of us, could be the most significant collection of messages that we've heard. Because we're going to make a decision. 
to step into spiritual friendships. And spiritual friendships are going to engage sacred moments. Some stuff that's been locked up inside of us for years is going to find an answer in not just worship and not just coming to church, but a friend who will have sacred moments with me and bring the God perspective in. And I'm going to realise that no matter whether I'm two weeks on my journey with Jesus or I'm two decades, God wants to use my life to bring kingdom hope to others. Father, I pray. For every individual, whether online, whether here in the auditorium, God, those of us that don't have spiritual friends, would we discover friendships that are from the same source? God, those of us that are lacking sacred moments, moments where we know God just spoke, would they become commonplace and regular in our life? And God, I pray that every one of us would get a revelation. You want to use our life. No matter how flash we think it is, no matter how together we think it is, you want to use our life for a divine purpose. Open our eyes to see what you are doing. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Would you look at me for just a moment? Friend, God loves you. The reason we can talk like this is because we have a heavenly father who wants you to live a life that is immersed in his plan, that is immersed in his promise, that is immersed in the what he thinks about you. I love that thought that Pastor Craig brought about what would it look like if if our head was full of God's thoughts? Look at me. Do you know that God has thoughts towards you? Not the person next to you, not the person behind you, not the better Christian than you, that God has thoughts for you. Thoughts to see you move forward into all that He has for you. That the things of the past don't have to be an anchor, but in God there is an answer. In God there is hope. That regret doesn't have to separate you from God and your own shortcomings don't have to isolate you from God. But there is a person and His name is Jesus and He came to be the answer to anything that would separate you from God. Whether it be your own sin and shortcoming or whether it be the decisions of someone else that has become a mountain between you and God. Friend, today, you can walk out of here connected with the God who created you, connected with the God who loves you, connected with the God who my Bible says before you were even born, every day He's got a plan and a purpose for you. Friend, you don't have to do life trying to figure this thing out on your own, but you can do it connected with the one who created you and the one who loves you. And if you're away from God, our church exists has done for 30 years. Our church exists to see people discover that God loves you, that God wants relationship with you, with every head bowed and every eye closed. Online, if you're able, can you close your eyes for just a moment? And friend today, if you're away from God, if you're disconnected from Him, you're isolated from Him, I'd love to pray with you and I'd love to pray for you that in this moment you would discover what it is to be forgiven of your past, Have a hope for your future and know that you're walking into the future connected with your Creator. If you don't know God for yourself, you're away from Him. Maybe you once were connected to Him, but you are now disconnected. Something has broken that relationship, whether it's your own shortcoming or 
or, or the, the decisions of someone else. Friend, today, you don't have to walk out of here disconnected from God. You can walk out of here with a brand new start and a fresh slate. So today you say, Scott, include me in that prayer. We've got Christians praying all over the building. They're praying that you would discover the same God that they've discovered. And if that's you, you say, Scott, include me in a prayer that today I discover forgiveness. I discover hope. I discover love. I discover a relationship with Jesus. If that's you, then would you just begin to lift your hand all over the building? Once I've seen it, you can put it down. God bless you, honey. God bless you, honey. Anyone else say, yeah, that's me. Include me in a prayer. If you're online, just reach out to our team. We'd love to connect with you. Anyone else say, yeah. Would you pray for me that today I discover God for myself? Awesome. We're going to pray a prayer. We're all going to pray it together, especially those of you who lifted your hand and then I'm going to hand back to Pastor Nadia. But could you pray this with us? Say, Father, today I open my life. I thank you that you love me, that you're for me, that you've got a plan and a purpose for my life. Jesus, I need a Saviour and I choose you to be my Lord, to be my Saviour. Help me to discover how to have a relationship with you from this moment on. I am a Christian, in Jesus' name, amen. We trust that you are encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life, and we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Melbourne campus. If you're not in Melbourne, then join us for Church Online, wherever you are in the world. Just head to lifeau.org to stay connected and find out more.